David McCarthy, and I'm with Father James Donahue. And for the listeners, I should be honest and say that Jim does all the work on these things as far as preparation. If you've listened to them in the past, I just sort of insert things to make myself look good. But that said, I say this because, you know, sometimes you start these things and, you know, you just are weary and, you know, you carry the load for this and it's been a long week. Yeah, it has been a long week. Yes. But, <laughs> but the, you do something else too, because when I have my little plan, you disrupt it. That's exactly. Part of I'm in, I, yeah, yeah. That's. I was telling somebody. Uh, well, but first off, I'll say, and I, and I was going to say, even though we both are tired and it's been a long week, it seems like once these conversations start, I kind of gain energy. It is one of the highlights of my week. Yeah. There, you yeah, know, yeah. 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 Uh, I did explain to somebody. I think it was. I think it was Greg Murray. Um, that um, we have this older brother, younger brother thing going on. And because I was telling the story of you giving roses to Bridget, my wife. And I said, Jim! Jim! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And somebody was saying, well, you know, I think I was talking to Allison and Greg, and they were saying, oh, yeah, but it just made him happy to make Bridget happy. And I said, yes, it did. Yes. It also made him happy but, to, make, <laughs> to make me frustrated <laughs> and annoyed. <laughs> so it was like double pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like double Montgomery commercial. <laughs> double the pleasure. And was that not true? Oh, well, was that yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm the little brother that just... Now, I haven't done this in a while. I think I can kind of win on something, <laughs> but then I get crushed because yeah. I do. I, I just keep coming. This is sort of like how I think of this. Yes? You think that's I just love the look on Bridget's face when these things happen because I said, well, I'm making your breakfast and I got your roses. What's David done? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. <laughs> I know. God, I was so Oh, well, yeah, that's our little story for the week. So people know that it's February. Uh, your, this might be a little too personal to chat, but I'll keep it going. Um, your godson, Timothy McCarthy, had a birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turned 16. Yeah. Our yeah. birthdays yeah. are really close because mine's, yeah. mine's on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And we're not doing anything for your birthday on Sunday, by the way. Yeah, they will. I know, okay. cause, cause maybe we'll, I know, we'll give you the roses back. <laughs> <laughs> How exciting. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I'll give the homily. <laughs> Wow! Because you gotta you gotta do a whole set of services on Sunday. Maybe on Sunday. I'll do those for you. Well, yeah, that would be a treat for everybody. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, you would do a good job. It's just that people would be thinking, "What's happening?" Uh, I I would not feel comfortable, nor would I sort of like you know. It's like yeah. trying to get the right syntax in a foreign country. Like you're not really gonna get the phrases right. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it would be odd. it would be an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it couldn't help being some kind of comedy routine. <laughs> okay, so um, back to the idea that you do all this preparation and it's been a busy week. I have no idea what's going on. Can yes. you tell us? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks. So last week we did uh, Revelation, and so that tied up the topics that we had uh, explored connect with the Bible. So we did things like the canon, inerrancy, interpretation, inspiration, yes, and yes. Uh, and revelation, and so 
that was kind of like a, an introduction because what we wanted to do for the heart of these podcasts was the story of salvation sometimes called salvation history okay and from last week uh, i can remember the first part of the sentence self-giving of god in jesus christ something about the apostles yeah 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 god's self-communication through christ's words and deeds handed on by the apostles there you go wow i got all the elements yeah, yeah, yeah. so i would probably got a b plus well I, I, i'm an easy grader so i would have given you an a oh yay <laughs> <laughs> okay so now salvation history yeah so so what we want to do is i, I can remember years ago we were redesigning courses for a core revision and there was a student who had written an assessment i think it was uh we had a our five-year review as a department okay and we had contacted him and he was in graduate school someplace and i remember one of the things that he said this kind of stuck in my head that he never really thought that we talked about salvation history. Hmm. Now, yeah. I immediately thought we did. Yeah, we thought we did. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but it was really striking that he didn't think that when he was an undergraduate that this had come across. And so I thought maybe we need to be more explicit yeah. about yeah. naming what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then thinking about what are the main points that you might think about mm-hmm. in the history of salvation. So as a group, we, we, we thought about creation, mm-hmm. we thought about the fall, the covenant, the exodus, yes, and we thought about kingship, which led to the exile. Uh-huh. And, and I remember us having a, a debate discussion about prophets. And uh, I was there. I don't remember. That. Yeah, about okay. you know. So we have a special section, and I did actually one oh, time. I do remember that. I remember the person that was pushing the problem. Yeah, yes. and I do. Yes. I did one time have a special section, but you know, one of the things I discovered first of all, the prophets on the prophets are very difficult mm-hmm. to sort out yes, because they are. They are. Yeah. they're historically diverse. For one yes, day, yes, yeah. and and. And it seems that it was better to deal with the prophets in the context of these events. Yeah, no. So yeah, to deal yeah. with the prophets, with the kings, to deal with yeah. the prophets, with the exile, mm-hmm. before and after. And so I think in these six moments, we will also be able to include prophets and, and right. some of the things right. that they did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So today, uh-huh. we were going to start with uh, creation. Yeah, I'll just throw in that um, I think it. It did or still ends with the, I think, because of using that Wilkin book, we call it the crossing of the threshold. Yes. So the coming of Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. That it, it's kind of builds up there. Yeah. To there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think our last podcast, that's probably, we'll spend the whole podcast on that. Um, okay. Great. Yeah, this transition nice. to, nice. Excellent. because he's got, mm-hmm. and it's a great question too. He, he ends by saying, what's new? about the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. I am, yeah. Um, I'll ask this question, but we might save it for later, but I have noticed, because I you know, haven't been teaching the course really for, wow, it's getting on seven years, wow. six, seven years now. Yeah, I'm in my seventh year. So, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm in my sixth year. I'm okay. in my sixth year. So, but I have noticed in the last six years, uh, the texts have changed, no, I'm sorry, the secondary texts have changed. Entirely, 
there was a low thing stage, there was an alpha stage near mm -hmm. near yeah, but the primary texts have stayed the same, which I think is interesting. Yes. So the primary text is, is the Bible. Bible, right. So the yeah. focus has stayed yeah. on the Bible, yeah. but the secondary texts have And changed. I have is that, over, is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And I think they they vary with professors. For me, I actually have always kept loping. And I actually was going to yeah. say that the, the text that, in case somebody ever oh, wanted to... Oh, you kept to, loafing, but you changed the text of them. Well, no, I kept this one for this class, and I have a new one for the Encountering Christ. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it, got it. But the, the text that I use, the secondary text, is this one by Gerhard Lofink, Does God Need the Church? Right. And then the, the other one, and I really, I have complimented her so many times. I think that Sister Mary Kate Burge, she's written some really good articles, but this chapter that she wrote on um, Genesis, and it's, it's one chapter in a four-chapter book, and I usually just get one chapter right. used for students. Right. Yes. It is a it great is chapter, and so I use that. And then the reading guide in the Catholic Study Bible, it also has some really good resources. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, though, uh, the one that we use now in class is a third edition, but the first and second edition had, I think, better resources in the reading guide. And so I actually have printed out a couple pages in the reading guide from the second edition that I have yeah, students read. Yeah, I think that probably, I don't know why, I'll, I'll develop a theory that the reading guides are underutilized. Yeah. So that they, you know, for publishing purposes, maybe cut down something, something and let yeah. some things out. But yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I no doubt they are underutilized because, as you say, they're really, really good. And I just know I haven't used them enough. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. so those would be some of the resources. And as we go along, um, I will point out. You know, this is. A, I got from Burge or this, I got from yeah, Lofink okay, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So Mary-Kate Burge and Gerhard Lofink, who yes. is uh, German, still living. Yes. Yes. He lives in an attentional Christian yes. community. Yes, as well, in Germany. Of lay and clergy. Right? Yes. Yeah. And this particular yeah. book that he wrote, I think uh, is always interesting to people, for Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. Right. Yeah, right. so he dedicated yeah, yeah. it to... Fellow, fellow German. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. fellow yep. theologian. Yep. Yeah, and fellow theologian, right. Yeah. Probably about the same age. <laughs> Ratzinger is probably older. Okay. I think okay. uh, Gerhard Lofink is in his late 70s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that is interesting when you look at creation and, and what we're, the, the text that we're going to look at for this podcast and maybe the next two after that are going to be Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Okay. And one of the things that's a little odd, and I have to just look at this myself, I think it's, um, so we have a creation story, and it's the one that people are very familiar with, where God creates in six days and rests on the seventh day. Actually, in class a week or so ago, I said um, about God creating in seven days, and the student put his hand up and he said, Father Jim, I don't like to correct you, but God created in six days. He rested on the Sabbath. I said, yes, thank you for that clarification. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. But one of the things that's kind of interesting is that as this story about God creating the six days and resting on the seventh day, as it 
ends, it goes all through chapter one, but it actually ends in chapter two, verse three. Yes. Mm-hmm. That seems like a very odd thing. Like if we were in charge of I, I, yeah, numbering right, the chapters right, right, and so right. on, we yes. would have yes. kept that in chapter one and then started chapter two with the next one. Uh, on that point, what is the last verse of chapter one? What does it say? Um, the sixth day. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You had your student yeah. gave you the answer, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they keep the actual creation of six days yeah. as a separate chapter. And, and the one thing that um, I know is that the chapters and verses in the Bible didn't appear until the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. This has been incredibly difficult to find something before that, right? It must be incredibly difficult. Like kind of something. at the front, but not at the real beginning. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know what yeah, else I don't know do how you do that. Yeah, yeah. people are writing on various things like parchments and yeah. scrolls. And, and so yeah. the people who actually made these uh, choices, maybe you might say the few times they didn't make the greatest choice. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, but that's what we have. Yeah. So in fact, this uh, first story, you would say, goes from chapter one, verse one, to chapter two, verse three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is an aside, but it always comes to mind when I read the gospel. It's Luke. Luke chapter one and two last forever. Yes, they are long. Yeah. Very very long. Every yeah. time I read Luke, I think. Wow, they just made a long chapter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, yeah. Inside, there we go. Okay, yeah. we're, we're off that now. Yeah. And um, it's hard to know exactly um, how to get into this. But, okay. But maybe to just start in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. And I think that our listeners right away know that this is going to have like six days. Yes. So you could think like a structure mm-hmm. of six units. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of rhythm and cadence and as a refrain, repetition. As a refrain, yes. like a song. Yes. And uh, right. and at the end of each one, it's going to say, evening came and morning followed the second day. Right. Evening came morning followed the third day and yes. so on yes. and um, the other thing that you could think about is that maybe if you thought about the six days like panels day right. one two and three yes. create the spaces so the heavens the waters and the earth that day four five and six create the things that fit into those spaces. Okay, right. So the things that, so like the sun and the moon, and we'll talk about that later, mm-hmm. they fit into, they're in day four, and they fit into day one. Okay. And the sea creatures are created in day five, but they fit into day two, and human beings and animals create in the sixth day, and they fit into day three. This is a long way of saying that if we had to memorize this story, I mean, memorizing for us is difficult, but if we had to memorize this story, there are a lot of things that could help us yes. to memorize. And um, so repetition, the refrain, the kind of cadence, these uh, little blocks that you could kind of have in the back of your head, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, and right. so on. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you go to um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it says, this is the story of the heavens and the earth at their creation when God made the earth and the heavens. Yeah. And so 
it seems like it's another story. Mm-hmm. And as you read this story, you don't have those refrains. No. And you don't have that repetition. And you don't have those, what did I call them? Frames or? Uh, you call them panels. 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 Yes. You don't have those panels. In fact, it's a very long narrative about planting this garden, about all these rivers. Um, okay, and, without looking at it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and we can assume I've read this a few times, right? Yes. Yeah, you're right. I could see, I see that I, I would not go as much detail of the structure that you did, but I would recognize six days. I know the refrain, yeah. those kind of things. With the Genesis 2 to 3, I just know there's like a whole lot of creation going on. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, but human beings come first. Adam comes first because then, because he gets to name all the things. Yes. Then he's alone. Yes. And you get Eve. Yes. And in chapter three, you get the serpent, the sin, yes. the expulsion from the garden. Yes. So that that's the, that's the structure. But there's a whole yeah. bunch when I say a lot of creation going on. Like I can't even conceive of like you just said. You know, you kind of got that order. I just yeah. I can't remember an order, yeah. or nothing comes to mind. Yeah. So if yeah. you were to ask someone, okay, you know, you either have to memorize that story in Genesis one or the story in Genesis two or three. Everybody's going to pick Genesis one, right? Yes. Because yes. because Gen- and that tells us something right at the beginning that these two units or stories are a different kind of literature. Like mm. one is a more poetic yes. structure with this repetition yeah. and refrains and mm-hmm. so on. And the other is a narrative. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And if we were to look a little more closely, you mentioned about the creation of human beings. And in Genesis 2, God creates the man and he creates them out of the dust of the earth. That's a very interesting thing because, yes. you know, um, there's layers upon layers in the church liturgy too, right? And so when we think about Ash Wednesday, um, at the end of this story in Genesis 3, of course, uh, you were created out of dust and unto dust you will return. Yes. And so we use this in uh, Ash Wednesday. But I can remember when I was uh, doing my dissertation and there were prayers to talk because I was I was doing about the prayers that when people are dying mm-hmm. and so there are these reminders now some of the uh, prayers in the especially in the medieval rites they would actually say more like the slime of the earth really yeah interesting and I think I, my, my read of it was that they wanted to make it seem like even more oh, what's the right word that, that God could do create a human being even because dust I mean oh, dust seems see, kind see of malleable or something yeah, yeah like yeah and slime is like oh my goodness that God could do this out of slime <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I, I always uh, but our translations say dust of the earth but and then and then God creates all these animals, which which the man names. Yeah. But none of them are suitable suitable partner. Right. And so he puts the man into a deep sleep, and from his rib he creates the woman. Now, in Genesis one, on the sixth day, the creation of human beings is different. God. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to create 
human beings in his image and likeness. And then it says male and female, he created them in his image, he created them. And so in the first story, in Genesis 1, human beings are created in the image of God at the same time, male and female. Mm -hmm. In the second story in Genesis 2, the man's created first from the dust of the earth and the woman after the animals from his rib. So this is a, I mean, when you look closely, like, and I think one of the things that happens is we tend, like we're, we're right now, you and I yes. are looking at this text with a kind of analytical eye. Right. We're, we're looking at it to try to see similarities, differences, and, and we're going to get to the point where we're going to keep doing this and then we're going to ask some questions like, well, what do these similarities and differences, what, what might they lead us to think? But, but for most people, when they're reading the Bible, they're not reading it like this, right? They're reading it. Right. So, for instance, in the liturgy, they're getting small parts of this. Right. So they wouldn't even have these two texts so closely together that they might even notice the differences. Mm -hmm. Or they're using it in prayer. And so their their focus is different. Like, we're, we're, we've got a, a kind of analytical focus right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, okay, yeah. yeah, and I would say... What I used to say when discussing this with students was, if you do that, then you're probably reading it in a way that it was intended. You know, like when 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 the editor, you know, when the when the compilers, editors kind of put these two stories in a line. Right. I doubt they were thinking. I, I'm guessing that we read it the way that it. They were thinking it would be read, not like two rival stories, right. but as this one provides the structure, this one provides the narrative. I never thought about it the way that way that you yeah. just said. I just knew that you kind of read it as a continuous story. But in fact, if you ask people about creation, they remember the structure from Genesis right. one and the narrative from two three. Right, right. Right. So, so in a lot of ways, the structure, the the one which you'll tell us yeah. comes after two three, yeah. Yeah. provides a structure. For which to read the narrative. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's kind of interesting. Now, I would also say, and you and I have both said this before, we are not um, like biblical terrorists. Correct. Yeah. There are lots of ways to read these stories, yeah. and people can read the stories and think about them differently. Right. And and in my as a teacher, as a priest, uh, as a as a Christian, my goal isn't to make people read the stories like I read the stories, but I can help them to see the things that I see and try to lead them to some conclusions. Right. But, but they, you know, maybe they don't want to be in those places. Right. Yeah. And then but we discussed this last time that just living a life with the Bible in this way has actually given us both the experience of actually having deeper sense of God's presence and work in the world. Yes. Rather than less. Because that's what people worry about when yes, you kind yes. of start dissecting these and cutting them up. Yeah. And like say you were and I, I think I think that does happen sometimes where people divide up the text and kind of analyze it, put it into that kind of analysis and then just walk away. Yeah. That that's not the purpose. The point is to to understand more depth. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I and, think that does and, and I would say that one of the things that we're going to accomplish by the end of this or the next couple of podcasts is to really grow in our understanding of who God is, what a human being is, 
how we might think about the world and uh, gifts God's given humanity and the responsibilities that they have. So, so we're kind of, but it takes a little while to get to those things. And this is a long way of saying that I do know that there are many people when they start to see some of the differences that were just touched on so far, mm-hmm. that the way they try to reconcile it is that they'll say, well, Genesis 1 is like the macrocosm. Oh, is that right? And Genesis oh. 2 and 3 is like the microcosm of the macrocosm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Genesis 1 is giving you like the big picture yeah. of creation. Yeah. Now, Genesis 2 and 3 is like, you know, kind of in-depth, closer look at, right. at the creation right. and so on. Right, yeah. But it's hard to do that, though, once you realize that human beings are created differently. Yeah. 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 And there's a few other differences. And the order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I would say, too, um, that there is a tendency for us to, to know a little bit about everything and then to kind of combine it. So uh, the best example in the Gospels, the best example in the Gospels is we've got two infancy narrative stories. One is in Luke and one is in Matthew. And, you know, in Luke, we've got a census and they have to go to Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn and the shepherds come. And in Matthew, we have a star and we have the Magi and the encounter with Herod. And then they find the child, and Mary and Joseph flee into Egypt. But when you look at all of our Christmas crash scenes, we have them together. We do. Yeah, we we got the stable and the star and the shepherds and the magi, and we just kind of put them together. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's not a bad thing at all. I think, yeah. So, yeah, I guess we we this will keep coming up. Let's just keep bringing this. I think. So before we leave the 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 the, the, Nativity scene. Mm-hmm. So one of the, one of my memories of my parents was, uh, you know, every family is kind of. It's funny how you've got a way of setting this crib scene up. Okay. Yes. Right. Oh, without question. Yeah. Yes. This goes here. Yes. This goes here. Yes. And year after year after yes. year, there's no deviation, right? Yes. And uh, and my mother was at this point in her life where she was uh, in her chair or wheelchair and she couldn't get up, right? So my dad was the one that had to set this up. And her eyesight wasn't so good either. So she couldn't really like see what he was doing. And when I come home around Christmas time, the first thing she'd say is, will you go over there and see what your father did with that crib? I knew it was <laughs> your father, I knew it and he would have like one of the shepherds with Mary and Joseph looked like he was having a smoke with the wise men or something. You know? <laughs> I'd say, Dad, he'd go, I can't tell them apart. I just, I just, <laughs> these are nuances. <laughs> and I said, you can't tell these are wise men? He doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. oh, that is so fun. Yeah. yeah okay. So back to uh, Genesis. Genesis and maybe some differences. So we already said that it's a different kind of literature, and we've noted that human beings are created differently in these two stories. But one of the things that's interesting, if we were to look closely, is that in Genesis 1, God is always called God. Genesis 1, God is always called God. In Hebrew, it would be Elohim. Okay. And in Genesis 2 and 3, God is always called Lord God. Mm. In Hebrew, 
Yahweh Elohim. Wow. So that's that's a difference, yes. Um, another thing we could think about is about how God seems in the stories. So in Genesis 1, we might say that God is more majestic, majestic. transcendent, transcendent. Uh, distant. Yeah, does not have a body. Yeah. Yeah. God said, yes. let there be light. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas in Genesis 2 and 3, God is walking and talking in the garden with Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. We would say that God is described anthropomorphically. Yes. So God yes. is described like a human being in the yes. story. Yeah. Right. And God is very close as opposed to seeming more majestic and distant and so on. And so God... The description of God in these two stories is also different. Um, clearly in the story in Genesis 1, there is a structure of seven days. My student will always remember six days of creation and a day of rest. Yes. But the second story, Genesis 2 and 3, it's an indeterminate amount of time. There's no, right. Right. Yeah. you don't get any kind of time frame. No. Um, there's uh, another thing about uh, big big picture thing in Genesis one about verse twenty eight. It says, "I will give you every seed bearing plant. I give all the green plants for food." But of course, in Genesis three or Genesis two, we're going to hear, uh, "You're free to eat of any of the trees in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." From that tree you shall not eat. Yes. And so there's this. And of course, um, in Genesis 1, everything is seen as good. At the end of the sixth day, God looks at all God has made and says that it's very good. And we know that in Genesis 2 and 3, we've got the goodness of creation at the beginning, which is actually... You know, marked by a kind of harmony and unself-consciousness because they're naked mm -hmm. and they're interacting mm -hmm. at peace and harmony with nature, with each other, with God, and so on. But with the snake, there is this introduction of sin and the damage in relationships. Trust of God, yeah. yeah, yeah, and each other. Yeah, yeah. 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 tell them God's scheming, yeah. Yeah. scheming against them. Yeah. So yes. we we could probably do more. In terms of differences, but I think that's enough that when I do this in class and I get them to do this on their own first, it's like you know, look at these two stories and see. Yeah. And, and it's funny, even when I say that, look at these two stories. I'll say, you know, just what what do you see? What differences? And then we'll put them on the board and we just kind of have them there, and I'll say, so what might account for these differences? And almost. Every time somebody says, well, we've got two different stories. Yeah. And, and we have, we can benefit from historical studies that have been done that help us to actually date these stories. And we know that Genesis 1 was written during the Babylonian exile. And so we, we have a date of around 500 BC. But Genesis 2 and 3 was written 450 years before that, which is very confusing. Yes. So about 950 BC in the court of Solomon, David and Solomon. And 
So one of the things that we always have to do, if we were to say the first creation story, we wouldn't really know whether we were talking about like the first one in terms of order as they right. appear, right. or the first one in terms of date that they're written. And so it's always better to talk about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and 3, and that way we, we kind of know what we're talking Before about. Before we go further, we probably should talk about our sponsor yeah. and benefactor. Any Father Andrews? I do have some Father Andrews are continuing the building. And there's been some difficult things they've had to, to do. Two of our seminarians, uh, Joseph and uh, Vitalis, both of their, in a pretty short period of time, their fathers died. Oh. Yeah. And then Joseph had a brother who died, and his brother was very young. Yeah. And so, you know, Father Andrew is really great in helping them, I think, to deal with this. and being able as a community to go to the funerals and right. Right. and there was some difficulty about getting the body of Joseph's brother in the place where he could be buried and so on and probably Andrew's just great about doing stuff like this to help their families and that so mm -hmm. yeah and they're heading toward uh, Lent yes yes Lent in the uh, seminary has probably yeah. got a special flavor to it I think so oh okay okay <laughs> All right, we won't go further. When we get closer to Lent, okay. I'll tell my okay. my Tanzania Lenten story that Father Andrew will laugh about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and but that's not for a couple weeks. That's right. Like two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two weeks from yesterday, I mean. Uh, so then, of course, we also have our um, grotto, our shrine of Our Lady of the Lords here in Emmitsburg that's on Mount St. Mary's campus. Uh, the statue of Mary, a uh, gilded statue of Mary, I think is coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Coming back up soon, it was repaired, so it's been down for a while. Uh, you have a piece of paper you're looking at. Well, I just wanted to get the title. Oh, I knew, I knew, I knew I had mucked it. I knew, you know, after the podcast last time, I thought, I, I honestly, I am not lying on this, I thought. Oh, I'm sure I messed that up. I wonder if Jim noticed. I couldn't, I couldn't let it go by twice. <laughs> the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords at Mount St. Mary's University. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. So, it is a if anybody doubted what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, so, my response of that is to say it wrong again. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's going to be springtime. They're fully active now. People going up there. I always like to say something about the gift shop because yeah. it is a good place. Um, people's confirmations are coming up. They have wonderful things for they do. first they communions, do. confirmations. They do. Yeah. And their website is stbernadettshop.com. And that's Bernadette, and then shop, and the shop is the O P P E. Yes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. See, when I first tried to find it, I was thinking Bernadette's possessive, and then shop. Yeah. That's why I had two S's, one S. So people want to find it, Bernadette shop. Yep. So it's a great place. They should visit if you can't visit. They should go online and just take a look. A lot of pictures of the place, including the Bernadette's shop. All right, so now we are back to Genesis 1 and then Genesis 2, 3, written yeah. at different times. Genesis 1, written around 500 during the Babylonian, Babylonian exile. Yes. 
2-3, written at the, you said, court of David slash Solomon. I think of it as, hey, new nation, need to get that history down. Well, yes, and yes. Uh, this is a case where we're both right. Yes. We are? Yes. Okay. Because one of the things we might think about, um, and I, I think it might be helpful to just talk a little bit about each of these historical events because yes. they were very yes. significant. Yes. So when we think about the Israelites coming through the desert under the leadership of Moses and they come to the Jordan River and then with Joshua they go into the land of Cana. Mm -hmm. So there's a period of time where they are settling and at some point they want to have a king. Now we're going to go into kingship Yes. in more detail later mm -hmm. and they don't have a king because their experience of kings has not been good, not been good. they were under the slavery and uh, yeah. rule of Pharaoh in yeah. Egypt yeah. and so when they first come to the land of Cana they have a confederacy of tribes and if there's some crises a judge will mm -hmm. be appointed or rise up mm -hmm. deal with that and then the judge kind of disappears mm -hmm. but over time people want to be like everyone else and so they had a king and Saul was their first king and David succeeded Saul and then Solomon in, in that period of time they had a very stable kingship among the three of them, just over a hundred years with three kings. And that, that is kings again? Saul, Saul, David, and Solomon. That is quite remarkable. Yes. Yeah. And so that meant that they had some stability. Uh, they had peace and prosperity. David was uh, ingenious because he united the northern and southern kingdoms. He made Jerusalem the capital, and Jerusalem is the northernmost city in the southern kingdom, mm -hmm. so that the people in the north would feel like this is their capital too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then under Solomon, they were able to build the temple, the palace. Jerusalem had city walls. Mm -hmm. um, we we will come to know that Solomon had hundreds of wives, and part of that is that he was creating military and political alliances with nearby countries so that they would have the peace, and this peace led to prosperity. And so with this palace and, and the, the prosperity they have, they actually have a court. And they have scribes now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's hard to be writing down your story in the desert. Right. right? right. <laughs> yes. Too much sand, too much wind. Yes. Yes. But now they've got royal scribes, and in the court of Solomon, they are writing down the stories that, to this point, have been handed on for generation orally. Right. And but now they have the opportunity, and this this is the oldest written source that we have in the Bible. Genesis 2-3. Genesis 2-3, yes. And it's part of, there are other stories that come. This is one of those stories. And this source has a name. And the, the name comes from how God is always named in this source, Yahweh Elohim. So it's called the Yahweh source. So it, and, and in this source, in the first five books of the Bible, any time, it's the only source that calls God, Lord God, 
in English, Yahweh, Elohim, in Hebrew. If you or anybody in the first five books of the Bible sees Lord God, you know that's the Yahweh source. It is amazing. It is. Yeah. And there's other characteristics about the Yahweh source. And we, we talked about how God is portrayed. God is portrayed as close to people. And so if there's a story, and we're actually going to see there's a story where God is interacting with Abraham, talking mm -hmm. with him and so on. That's, that's from the Yahweh source. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so they're kind of like dead giveaway characteristics yeah. of the Yahweh source. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, I don't know, this, this could be absolutely wrong, but, you know, I was thinking another one that popped in my head was um, visitation to Abraham. Yeah. Is that yeah yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, and then uh, Jacob wrestling with angels, yeah. the angel. Yeah, yeah. is that yeah? Is that, so, okay, because those are all very tactile, you know, yeah. very, very, their God, you know, there it is. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it it was uh, again mostly German biblical scholars who were able to have an eye for these things, and they just started to notice, oh, isn't that something that God has always called Lord God? And then they started to see here and here and here, and they started to realize there's similar characteristics. And so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, one, so we talked about a few different ways of imagining, I think, when we did sort of inspiration and revelation in this context, you know, you could think of Genesis 2-3 being written by somebody sitting in a room, right, with no external influences. Right. So, is it too early in this discussion to ask, how, what does that add, what does that, seeing the person or people writing this, not in a blank room, right. but actually in this historical context that you've developed, you know, you described. Yeah. What's the payoff, or are there some for reading Genesis two three? Yeah, I think like when I imagine this, and it, and you know, it's not so easy to imagine this, yes. right? Uh -huh. And maybe what we have to say is it's not this, and it's not that. It's more like this. So okay. it's not, you know. So I always have this idea that this person, your picture about this person in a room all by himself, that they're smoking a cigar, you know, exactly, it's like a smoke-filled yeah. room. Exactly, but it's yeah. like blank walls. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's yeah. a sterile place. Yeah. Because that's how we often yeah. think of, you know, it's not how we, you know, it's often how we think of yeah. biblical writers. It's just yeah. sort of out of And they're just kind of making this stuff up. And yeah. Writing this. Yeah. Instead, yeah. the other way of thinking about it is that these are the stories that have been handed on and on oh, and on. Oh, fair enough. Generation fair after enough. generation, right? right? Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, so yeah. I even even putting it into a single person's like yes. in on parchment or something like yes. that or whatever, that's kind of a false yes. view anyway. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's and, good. It, and then even, you know, the writing down of it, there are other people that are you know, they got their eyes on it. And they mm -hmm. you know, it's not just one person. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that though, um, it's written in the court of David and Solomon. Yeah, yeah. And so, guess who's going to come off looking pretty good? Yeah, yeah. So even even when I usually will say to the students, okay, so President Biden is president right now. Yeah. What if you're working in the White House and he comes to you and he says, I want you to write, you know, a small a small article about me, my my first. Year in the in the White House. Yeah. You know, is this going to be positive or negative? Yeah. And, the, and everybody says, well, positive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said, but there are things that happen that are difficult, right? Well, yeah. But then you try to put them in the best possible light, yes. right? So you can't. 
ignore them. Right. And you can't make up stuff. Like you can't yeah. say, you know, the opposite of what happened. But you could try to say something like, um, well, who would have known what to have done in this situation or something like that? Yes. So you yes. try to. So we do see that David and Solomon come off very well. So like one example, you know, they both had some terrible things that they did. But they're really, 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 really sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're talking not just in the two, three account. You're yeah. talking about in, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Um, Bathsheba. Really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're just talking about that Yahweh's narrative yeah. in general. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but I also will add that you know with the going to back to the sort of uh, look, rather than a sterile room, let's just make it sort of like you know a, a vague and sort of cloudy place. <laughs> um, Adding all this texture that you did, historical texture and, and you know, interest like, you know, what's good for David or something, um, it actually is more like we should expect God to speak to us right now in our lives. Because since when am I in a very kind of sterile, really kind of cloudy place, there's always a complications of motives and intentions and different points of view of what's going on yeah. and these sorts of things. So I, I always think the the hope of that's the hope that comes to us that that's how we got the word of God is that that's how we can still have God's presence in our life, right? It is right here, right now, in the very complicated, I wish I were a better person, and I wish I had cleared more space in my time for God, but the hope is, like, well, God's been doing this for a long time, right? Uh, and, and, and you know, inspiring and, and giving his word. So. And, I, and I love that. That phrase, neighbor, and that God used human beings in their human ways. Yes, God uses human beings. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't need doesn't need Superman from Kryptonite who can yeah. be invulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that's kind of a picture you gave us in developing the historical background. Yeah. yeah. So, so this story, and and we will look in more detail later about how it's how we might see it's connected with what's going on with David and Solomon. Yeah. But for now we could just say okay. that yeah. this is where the story originated. Mm -hmm. Um the name of the source, the Yahweh source, and the date about nine fifty BC. Okay. If we were to go to Genesis one, we would date this about five hundred BC in the Babylonian captivity. And I'm going to read a song. Like, you know, it's singing. No, I do. I definitely do it's not. One thirty-seven. I always. It is one thirty-seven. Okay. I, I, Can you I sing something? Well, yeah. Um, actually, there's a country. I guess he's country. Steve Earle. Have you ever listened to Steve yeah. Earle? He's got a nice rendition of this. Although he 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 removes the religious part of it, mm. you know. But it's it's yeah. But I think it's a, I think it's also like a spiritual yeah, yeah. by the rivers of Babylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to sing it. Good. I could, but I'm not. So, in this psalm, the context is that there. I mean, there's a little title in my Bible that says "Sorrow and Hope in Exile." Mm -hmm. So the context is that they're in Babylon. Um, it was King Nebuchadnezzar. That's a mouthful. Yeah. And. Yep. They, the Babylonians had laid siege to Jerusalem. I think what it was that they 
um, didn't pay the tribute that they were supposed to pay, and they made alliances with Egypt, thinking that, you know, but that was bad move after bad move. Yeah. And uh, so the city of Jerusalem was under siege for years, and there were various sieges, and then finally, finally they were able to um, break the siege, and they they destroyed the city walls, they uh, destroyed the city, the temple, the palace. So when we talk about the temple in the Gospels, that's the second temple. So that was started and finished under, well, it was started before it was finished under King Herod. So, but the first temple um, was destroyed about 587 BC. And, uh, and they were taken in two waves to Babylon. All the leading citizens, anybody of wealth, skill, variety, and so on. So you two waves. Two waves. I think they were a couple of years apart. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Okay. Jeremiah, for instance, I don't think he was in the first wave. Second wave. In the second wave, he was taken yeah. in exile. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so this psalm might really capture what it might have been like for these people when they first got to Babylon. Yeah. And so there's three stanzas. And the first stanza kind of talks about, you know, so here, here we are in this experience. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat weeping when we remembered Zion. So Zion's another name for Jerusalem. So, you know, we're thinking back about that place that we used to live. Mm-hmm. On the poplars in its midst, we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for the words of a song, our tormentors for joy. Sing for us a song of Zion. But how could we sing a song of the Lord in a foreign land? So they're like mocking them and making fun of them, like sing us a song and and a little ditty. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they can't. I mean, this is a very sad, sorrowful time for them. And the second stanza, the psalmist is committing himself to to never forget and so he says if i forget you jerusalem may my right hand forget i can remember in the new jerusalem translation it says my, may my right hand wither mm-hmm. so if i forget you i want this to happen to me yeah yep. uh may my tongue stick to my palate if i do not remember you if i do not exalt jerusalem beyond all my delight so kind of making this commitment i'm never going to forget the third stanza is like a flashback to what it was like. Remember, Lord, against Edom that day at Jerusalem. They said, level it, level it down to its foundations. Desolate daughter Babylon, you shall be destroyed. Blessed the one who pays you back what you have done us. Blessed the one who seizes your children and smashes them against the rock. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it makes me think of having thought about that for a long time. It makes me think of it's when when Abraham gets promised descendants like this amount of stars in the sky done, gone. There are more, no more children of Israel. They've been carted off to Babylon. They're Babylonians yeah. now. Yeah. God's promises are done. Yeah. Promises to Abraham are done. Yeah. No land. No people. Yeah. Yeah. And David, there'll always be someone from your family on the throne. There's oh, no throne anymore. That one too. There's wow. no throne anymore. Promises covenant with David. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Everything's done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Babylon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, really, it's it's it's. Uh, think about those images. Yeah. But yeah. as uh, my favorite TV show says, pardon the interruption. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's always a but. Okay. Over time, the people of Israel realized that they were maybe better off. Their farming land was better. Mm. Babylon was very wealthy. We even think about one of the seven wonders, seven ancient wonders of the world with the hanging gardens of Babylon. Mm. Um, their military was incredible. Um, they were able, well, I guess you might even say their god uh, is more powerful. Yeah. Need our god. True. Here we are yeah. in Babylon. Yeah. And uh, the Babylonians, yeah. they were they were spiteful when they destroyed things. Like they salted the fields and, you know, took all people away and destroyed everything. But once they brought people to Babylon, they actually tried to incorporate them into mm -hmm. Babylonian society. And so the leaders of the Jewish people started to worry that they were going to become assimilated. Yeah. They were going to become absorbed. And the leaders were priestly leaders. And they actually did different things to try to make sure that Israel didn't forget who they are, who their God is, and what they're called to do and be as a people. And uh, I always think, think with, with students, and I, I say this with students, like, did your did your parents say when you when you left, okay, we know you're going to learn all these, but don't forget, mm -hmm. don't forget your values, don't forget your family, don't forget. Yeah. And then I say after a little while, are your parents saying, why don't you call me more often? Why don't you come home for a weekend? It's like, hmm, as I learn this, maybe I forget that. Yeah, so, because, yeah, we have plenty of food here in Boston Bears. Yeah, <laughs> plenty of people and friends. And, yeah, 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 life is good. Yeah. yeah. So, so the yeah. priests actually had a, a kind of a program. And one of the things they did is they needed to set up a, a new kind of worship because there's no temple anymore. There's no animal sacrifices. And so they developed synagogue worship, developed prayer services. But, you know, the synagogue worship, it's not just like a place you go to worship. It's also a place where you are yourself as a people. So you might even think about, you know, maybe Greek immigrants to the United States and how they set up like a, a Greek club. And so it's not just the place where they might pray, and, but they socialize and they yeah. teach, yeah. And teach their kids that, uh, Greek on Saturday mornings. I mean, in here and where we are in Maryland, I would say that a, a Greek church is is going to include more parts of regular life yes. than your typical parish. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Various yeah. sorts of things yeah. go off. Yeah. Yes, yes. So they did this. They created the synagogue and synagogue worship. They reinstituted some practices that had fallen into disuse that originated with uh, Moses, um, kosher food laws, mm -hmm. circumcision. Mm -hmm. And all of these things, of course, 
Um, I'm not being flippant here, but circumcision you can't see in the same way as kosher food. But these are things that mark you. Yep. They mark you as being different. Yep. And and I ask students in class, well, you know, can you think of groups that do this? And almost always people will talk about Amish people. Mm-hmm. And you can tell from the way they dress that they are Amish people. And um, but even Christians, they might have a cross. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, granted, today, um, the entertainment industry kind of co-opts some of yes. these things. Yes. But, yeah, but these are things, uh, Ash Wednesday, Catholics have ashes on it. I mean, they're doing something to mark themselves so that they set okay. themselves apart. Yeah. And so the priestly leaders wanted to do this so they would help them to keep their identity. But one of the things that they did is they actually because these Israelites were exposed to the Babylonian creation story, Babylonian fertility rites. And so one of the things that they did is they actually wanted to write a rival creation story. Mm -hmm. And that's what we actually have in Genesis 1. And in our next podcast, we'll we'll talk more about that. Mm -hmm. But I think for now, we've kind of got... You know, the big historical picture, Genesis 2 and 3, is in the court of Solomon, the Yahweh source, 950 B.C. And Genesis 1 is in the Babylonian captivity, about 500 B.C. And because it was these priestly leaders who were trying to save Israel, uh-huh. it's called the priestly source. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And the... Enuma Yelish, which we're going to talk about. Did I say that correctly? Yes. It's got one of my favorite lines ever. Uh, it, when, it, when, the, when the older established gods are getting annoyed by the younger upstart gods, they say they're like waves lapping against the shore. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Young people just noisy. Waves lapping against the shore. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is good, and we're um, done. It's a good, good frame for that. Uh, we certainly want to send out our hello again to Father Andrew. Father Andrew, this is David saying hello. Uh, I will get there and meet you at some point, so that'd be good. That'd be cool. Yes, and again, we thank um, the Grotto and our my pal, Will Holden, who does our editing. Thank you, Will. So we'll see people, we'll hear people will hear us next week, and we're talking more about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So next week, we'll just focus on Genesis 1, and we'll talk about this Babylonian creation story, the Enuma Elish, and Genesis 1. Yes, yeah. and next time they hear us, you will be a year older. Yes. And have like a dozen roses in your house. On the slightly wilted die. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll find a paper towel. All right. Take care.